guys. Welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast. Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc. Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is. I don't even know what we do. This week, we are sponsored by Zest, an amazing company making the most delicious plant-based pesto, paste, and pasta sauces. They're made using real ingredients that you don't need a science degree to understand. All their ingredients are gluten-free, dairy-free, and vegan, and you can find them in Morrison Supermarket and lots of great independent chains as well. I absolutely love their pasta sauces. I've genuinely been using them for years. My favorite is the tomato, basil, and oregano sauce and they also do a really great fiery chili sauce which ash and i both love that sounds delicious i'm like on a breakfast sandwich kick at the moment i need to have one every single morning and (laughs) i'm using zest vegan pesto on every every breakfast sandwich combination at the moment and i highly recommend it it is to die for if you want to order your own pesto or pasta sauce you go to www.zestplantpower.com and use capitals forking 21 to give you 20% off your next order you will not be disappointed this brand is absolutely delicious like I said it's been one of my favorites for a while so please do check out their website and order your favorite pasta sauces pestos and paste Welcome back to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. We are here with Dr. Frankie, NHS doctor. Hi, Frankie. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on. Of course. We're super excited to have a doctor on the podcast. Um, We've had tons of different experts, so it's going to be great to chat about your version of wellness and kind of how you help your clients. Because actually, I was saying to Barry before you jumped on, we tend to work with people who are already well, if that makes sense, and who just want to kind of enhance and improve their health, whereas you probably see people who are not so well, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I'm Dr. Frankie. I'm an NHS doctor. I actually work in cancer clinical trials. Um, So yes, as you mentioned, the patients I see are often very unwell. um, Mm -hmm. And kind of both mentally and physically, I suppose they're coping with um, quite end stage cancer as well. Um, So they definitely benefit from, you know, talking about wellness as a whole and not just the cancer treatment, also their entire well-being and mental well-being and things as well. So it, it should be a good end of the spectrum to get into this discussion. That's such an interesting like segment of, you know, medicine. I think that so often like we're like oh someone's a doctor like it's really easy to just think of someone like in your gp practice or someone in the hospital like you know you go into a and a and actually i think that's such an interesting facet that you know you work in clinical like i don't know when you hear clinical trial i, I automatically just think of gray's anatomy and like the whole clinical trial <laughs> fiasco um, that happens there but how did how did you get into that did you always want to go down kind of a research route or so um When I first ever decided that I was kind of interested in medicine, I did some work experience as you're recommended to do when you're about 15, 16. And I just got allocated to an oncologist. So an oncologist is a cancer doctor. Um, And she was a female oncologist. So sort of things like um, cervical cancer, 
all women's health issues and I just loved it and I was very impressionable I was about 16 so all through my med school career I kind of had oncology in the back of my mind and it's obviously a very research heavy specialty so the treatments I learned about when I was at med school are now outdated and everything's changing wow. year on year. So I suppose that's how I got into research um, was because the specialty I enjoy is so research focused. And kind of off the, on the back of that, the fact that my professional work is so research heavy and, you know, conducting trials, analyzing evidence, everything is so evidence-based. That's kind of how I started my educational platform on Instagram. Um, because I'm such an evidence-based person and it was frustrating to me to see all of the, you know, unsolicited advice, unqualified advice um, being given on social media without an evidence-based backing. Um, so I was there trying to fill that space and actually produce the evidence-based content. Yeah, you really do have such a voice on Instagram and your videos are so incredibly helpful. Did you see a real kind of, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like a boost almost in kind of interest when the pandemic hit, because all of a sudden everyone was like paranoid and obsessed with their health, right? Yeah, absolutely. I noticed a massive, um, a massive growth, I guess, in the pandemic, particularly last year. Um, I originally started, because I was actually working in general practice at that time, I had to do a rotation, and I was kind of answering everyone's questions, and I did this daily Q&A. I remember this, it was yeah. so helpful, It really actually. was. <laughs> <laughs> but it went on for about six weeks, where every day I was spending hours answering everyone's questions. It was probably so time-consuming, actually, yeah. just now hearing you say it like it's one of those things like when you're a content consumer you just consume the content you're like oh this is great it's so helpful mm. but then actually being the content creator especially when it comes from a place in medicine and evidence-based like that must that have been really time. yeah that yeah. must have been it really really time consuming it did take a lot of time but i felt really useful like i could mm. see that i was helping people because we people were getting really anxious watching the news you know we yeah. used to watch the 5 p.m briefing and i found oh, God. that I, I was honestly, all I was doing was breaking down what they were saying on the news in a more mm. digestible way. I suppose saying it with a smile, trying to make it a bit less intimidating and daunting for everyone. Um, so I kind of felt like I became quite useful to people, which is where I definitely saw a growth. Um, and I just got so much more out. I've always been producing this content. Um, but then I felt like I had more of a purpose, which obviously gives you the encouragement to keep producing. And that's yeah. kind of how I stepped into the video space because I could answer a lot of those questions in one go um, yeah. rather than individually. So that's kind of how it all started. Um, but I definitely found that I found a bit more purpose and a bit more of a direction on here. Amazing. I love that. I think having that purpose, like when you are on Instagram or social media, like if you don't have that purpose, it's kind of like, what am I doing here? It's yeah. kind of like <laughs> awkward. And you, you actually find, I don't know if you feel this way, Frankie, but like you have more motivation to show up because you have such like drive to produce this certain amount of content. Whereas like sometimes I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm just going to take yeah. some time off. But like when you have that fire <laughs> under you. Yeah. But I also think sometimes it can be really easy to get frustrated about algorithms or if content doesn't mm. do well but particularly when I'm talking about health topics for me if I'm in clinic in an afternoon I might see 15-20 patients um, and I get a really small number of people that I can influence to make one change that will better their health whereas on Instagram and on the internet in general you can reach so many more people so 
that number, even if it's small for the social media world, is still much larger than I'd be able to access on my day to day practice. So I always think if it changes one person's health or it saves one person's life, mm -hmm. if you talk about cancer screening, then it's completely worth it. Yeah, I completely agree. Has your perception of kind of what wellness is or how to talk about wellness changed through using social media? Because like you said, you were just 16. And you kind of decided that that's, you know, research is what you wanted to do. You were a GP. So you've, you've got such a heavy career off of social media, but then you've kind of tied social media into it. How do you like find that balance? And is it very different in terms of your practice day to day with patients versus what you how you relay information on social media? Yeah, so I think my work is actually quite different. Um, a lot of the things I talk about on social media are quite preventative things. So mm. I'll talk a lot about, um, you know, sleep and how that's important for your health or managing stress. Or um, I'll talk about quite general things like women's health, uh, things like cancer screening and getting you've done. Test. You've done so much, even like uh, UTIs and just, yeah. you cover everything. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's all quite preventative. So I think it's the other end of the spectrum of what I actually do in my real job. Um, I feel like my audience on Instagram are young and the changes we make now, even if you can't see them, can have such a massive impact down the line. Um, even that thing that, you know, we say get half an hour extra sleep a night, mm it doesn't really make a huge difference to your day-to-day -day living. You don't necessarily feel a whole lot better the next day, but if you're doing that over a period of 40 years, you're going to have massive benefits down the line. And then in contrast to that, those are the patients that I'm seeing in clinic. So the people who are probably 60 plus that are suffering with cancers mm -hmm. and they can't prevent them now because it's happened. Um, so that's more a treatment focus, whereas I feel like my Instagram is more of a preventative kind of lifestyle medicine focus. I love that so much. It's like very like full circle. It's very like mm, really full circle. Yeah, like warming to know that like you, you might not be able to help the people that you're seeing at the moment in the way that you'd want to, but you, you can do all the preventative work and get the message out and just make sure that everyone's doing the right kind of wellness thing. So I guess my next question is like, what are, from your perspective, because we talk so much about like the pillars, I guess, of wellness mm -hmm. and like what we should all be doing to like live our most well lives. But from like a medical perspective, what are the things that you really try to encourage people to do? So um, the obvious ones are nutrition um, and I'll be honest and and admit that doctors are not adequately trained in the nutrition space at all so yeah we did advice, want to touch on this <laughs> yeah so the advice I'll give to patients are, are like really generic things like you should eat a healthier diet or you know um, aim for more fruits and vegetables um, I don't try and pretend I'm qualified in that space but you I do try and still mention it in every consultation um, yeah. And that's obviously one, uh, one important pillar of health, um, which you guys know probably better than me. Um, the second is obviously exercise. And I suppose my perception of exercise for health is probably different um, to the social media version of exercise for health, mm. which is very skewed. Um, most people who are in the fitness space on social media are very dedicated to their training. It's a specific type of training. It's almost to the extreme because they are specialists in that. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily applicable to the general population. So 
for me, I will say to my patients, just try and move your body for 20 minutes a day, yeah. whether that be a walk around the supermarket or a dog walk or dancing in your kitchen or cleaning. Um, it doesn't have to be going to the gym, going for a run. It just has to be getting your body, your joints, your muscles and your heart going. Um, I yeah. feel like that's what we say as well. Like it, it, any yeah. movement is, is yeah. absolutely fine. Um, and of course, like, you know, in my professional space, a lot of the people I see don't have the capacity to go out on a run. It is the, you know, I sometimes have to say to some of my cancer patients, every hour, I want you to get up out of your chair and sit back down 10 times mm. just to preserve the muscle mass in their legs. Mm. We completely neglect that. You know, I've just been out on a 10K walk around one of the parks in London. And if I'm honest with myself, I probably don't feel like I've exercised today um, because I haven't got sweaty, I haven't done a workout, I haven't done a run. Mm. And that is social media's ingrained yeah. thing. Mm. You that unless you've done a workout and you've had a dedicated hour of your day to exercise, you haven't worked out. But actually from a health perspective, I've gone out, I've got had my body moving, I haven't sat still. That is probably enough. When you just yeah. said, I just done a 10K walk, I was like, oh my gosh. Same. Well, so like, much movement. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't like um. It wasn't like a. Too I'm much. going out to exercise. It was. I'm going to walk around the park like with my friends. Scrolling chatting. along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So obviously, exercise, nutrition—they're the obvious ones everyone knows about. So I won't spend too long on those. Um. I think one that is completely neglected, and I'm so passionate about this. Um, is sleep. I'm so come to with the right you. podcast. I'm <laughs> so with you. Sleep we is- actually have a sleep specialist coming on, I think, like in the next two weeks. But Sophie and I are both like obsessed, obsessed with sleep health, yeah, sleep hygiene. Yeah. So sleep is ca- categorically like the fundamental neglected pillar of health. And mm. as a society, we are in a sleep deprivation pandemic. Yeah. And um, it you know, scares me because you can't get that back, right? There's mm. no such thing as like, you know, covering your debt when it comes to sleep. Yeah, exactly. So um, I follow a lot of sleep specialists and neuroscientists and things, and I read a lot of books on this. Um, there has been a time in my life, particularly when I was at med school and I was trying to study all, you know, study this hard degree, have a social life, exercise, eat well. And often those other things in my life like going to the gym after lectures or staying up late to meal prep I was hitting the nutrition and exercise pillars of health but it was at the expense of sleep mm. and it's like actually uh, there's a lot of emerging evidence that sleep is as important if not more important than exercise for example on your mm. health um, and you're right Sophie what you said sleep isn't something that you can kind of accumulate a debt and then pay off yeah um lots of people particularly with city jobs or demanding jobs will have um you know in the week get very few hours of sleep and then try and make up for it at the weekend Mm -hmm. and actually studies have shown it's better to be consistent with the number of hours each uh, each night including the weekends rather than kind of trying to bank it up at the weekend um and that's something i just think we all need to shift our mindset um and that takes me on to the next pillar i talk about which again would be rest and Mm. stress reduction. Um, This is something that I'm still trying to learn myself because as you guys know, we all do this social media thing on the side of other things. And that isn't without some detrimental effects, I guess, on your free time and stress levels. Um, But I I think the pandemic has taught us this, you know, previously, 
someone would say to me like are you busy at the weekend or are you busy on Thursday night and if I didn't have plans I'd be like no I'm not busy and then I'd book something into my calendar whereas now I feel like I'm getting better at saying you know what I don't have plans but that's because I'm having an evening off yeah I'm just having and it's not an uh, you know instead of I saw a really great post on social media not so long ago and it was saying instead of saying I've done nothing this weekend you should reframe it as kind of I've had a rest this weekend Mm -hmm. I've had a self-care weekend I've had a life admin weekend I love that. I do think one of the positives of the pandemic has like been kind of appreciation for, you know, self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, taking yourself for a walk. It's almost like a silver lining and it's something that I really hope does like translate post-pandemic like when things hopefully, fingers crossed, go back to normal that we can all kind of like slow down and rest. But, you know, I completely agree. Like before you jumped on the podcast, I was like prying and making Sophie check her hours spent on her phone because I was trying to be like, what are your daily hours? Are my hours too high? Um, And I think, you know, stress reduction and, you know, saying no to things and, you know, you have to check in with yourself. your brain wired all the time. You need your brain to like chill out sometimes. And I've really struggled with that this week, actually. And I know Barry has as well. (laughs) Mm. I just feel like now, if I'm in the queue for the post office, I feel like I'm checking my emails, I'm replying to something, I'm making use of that time. But whatever happened to us just sitting down or standing in a queue and just daydreaming and looking around? I was going to say, yeah, just having a thought and like moment to yourself. Exactly. I think that is something that we can't be in learning, learning, absorbing all the time. Mm. You know, even on social media, when you're, you think it's for fun, and it mm-hmm. is enjoyable to consume content, particularly if you, particularly if you follow people who are creative and you see a nice outfit or a, a reel that's really creative. But actually, you know, there are more people like us that are stepping onto social media to educate. So that's like, you know, the videos I make or the posts you guys post are educational. It's quite a lot of information for mm-hmm. someone who has probably a lot less knowledge in that space than us to consume. And I think sometimes we forget that. Um, as the consumer yeah uh, you know that is it's a lot to take in and we i think we just need to all be spending a little bit um more time prioritizing just doing ourselves yeah our own minds yeah yeah it's like cognitive overload like at what point do you just like stop yeah (laughs) like i feel like lately i'm like doing like stupid things not like stupid things but like yeah stupid things like I lose the remote or like the other day I put the remote in the refrigerator and I can't even <laughs> use the excuse that I have baby brain and I feel like <laughs> like I just do stupid things and my partner was like it's because you're doing too much you're yeah. thinking too much all day that like mm-hmm. when you have time to like chill out you just become like a mashed potato brain like you just can't well, do had, anything I, I had this conversation with some people at work the other day um I kind of asked them, we all went in at lunchtime for clinic because there's a lot more working from home in between clinics now. And I kind of said like, what did you do this morning? And one of the nurses was like, oh, um, nine to 10.30, I checked my emails. And I was like, what? You had time blocked out to check your emails. And she was like, yeah, they're my work emails. It takes me an hour and a half to reply to them. I have that time blocked out. And I thought, oh my gosh, I reply to all my emails in the middle of things. Mm. You know, like when I'm, traveling from one hospital to another or when I'm in between clinics or when there's a slight gap in my schedule instead of 
having a gap in my day where you probably would get a cup of tea or get a bit of fresh air or mm. nip out for lunch and actually have half an hour off I'm still working mm. I hate to admit it but I can be out for a walk sometimes and I'll literally be like I'm not gonna check my emails and the one part of my brain is like why are you checking your emails you're out in the fresh air on a walk listening to a podcast or whatever and I'm like oh I'm just gonna check my inbox see if anything new has come in in the last like half an hour it's ridiculous isn't it I know I think on one hand it is kind of nice that we are so interested in what we're doing day to day Mm. that you want to see if anything new like I I, I know that feeling you want to see if any new opportunities have come through you want to see if a podcast guest has said yes it's because we're excited about what we're doing but I think it's the same way that we consciously make the effort to take half an hour out to exercise or we think I need to cook a nice dinner tonight we need to take that same time each day and think I need to check in on myself. Have I had a rest today? Have I looked after my mental health today? Yeah, a hundred percent. So we've got um, nutrition, exercise, sleep, rest. Is there anything yeah. else? Um, and I guess. And stress the, you said as well. Yeah. Stress. Um, and I guess one other one um, could be about um, kind of connecting with other people. You know, oh my god we have really i think so many people have realized the value in socialization this year or yeah, last year I, exactly and i think aren't you glad that we did this pandemic now and not 20 years ago when we didn't have yeah. zoom oh and my god facetime and whatsapp and all this like i can't imagine um and i think it's just yeah having social interactions is actually so important for your health I actually really feel for everyone who's working from home and is not used to it because Mm. for me, the little interaction when I get up and make a cup of tea in the office and I chit chat to whoever desk I walk past, that's actually quite an important part of my day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've spoken to other people that have said the exact same thing. They were like, you know, I'd walk to my exercise class and I'd stop and say hi to everyone on the way. And that I found so much value in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And social connections is such a stress reliever as well. So like to add on to the other thing that you were saying, just having those like little five minute breaks and just being able to like talk to someone about something like silly when you're working from home, you don't actually get that. So you tend to take less breaks. You talk to less people because when you do talk to people, like it's on zoom and you get like zoom fatigue. And so like, I feel like there's a knock on effect that you end up actually working longer and harder. Yeah. There's a complete lack of boundaries when you're working. Yeah. Like when you said like, oh, making that cup of tea, like I miss that so much about the office because I have been a hundred percent remote this year and I just cannot wait to have those like stupid conversations that like, you know what I mean? It's just like so nice, the weather, like I can't wait, like talk to me about the weather. I'm so excited. But when we're talking about our health, um, you know, you're saying about what does health look like? I guess for me, being healthy or in good health is that if you picture all of these pillars as kind of like um, legs under a table, mm. and if one of them goes, you've still got all of the other legs that are keeping you up. Um, so having kind of a breadth of things like you know, your exercise doesn't have to be 100%. Your nutrition doesn't have to be 100%. Your sleep yeah. doesn't have to be 100%. But if you're focusing a little bit on each of those, rather than kind of putting all your eggs in one basket, if one of them goes for whatever reason, an injury or some sort of work deadline where you maybe don't have as much time to cook, you still got other aspects of your health that are going to all hold you together. I love that. That's actually what we reiterate all the time on this podcast is, yes, nutrition is very important. 
in terms of supporting our health but it's not the only thing and some people get so fixated on one thing mm. usually it's um fitness slash exercise or nutrition and they forget that like we said sleep is so important rest is so important socializing taking that time out mentally and yeah like you said if you're so fixated on one thing if you've only got one leg holding you up that table is gonna completely knock over yeah exactly and you know there has um talking about that when people do get fixated at one thing they often neglect another one of those legs or one of those pillars of health to try and be better at the other one so you know there'll be so many people listening to this that have been in that space where they've been invited to a social meal or some social event and they haven't wanted to go or they haven't gone because they wanted to go to the gym or because it wasn't on their meal plan um and then you miss out on the rest and you miss out on the socializing and you miss out on that social interaction that then leads to a bit of a stress reduction at the end of a busy day mm-hmm. so yeah it might mean that your nutrition's better but at the expense of other things yeah and it's like you said because again with the exercise some people will be sleep deprived and they'll think but i need to get my exercise in so they'll get up an hour earlier than they maybe should have done they might have benefited more from that extra hour in bed totally especially if you're like doing exercise on zero energy like on like zero rest like your cortisol levels like your body's just going to be fatigued and stressed and tired and you're not going to see the results from that workout because your body isn't physically like able to cope with it and you just would have been much better off just like taking a rest day and just sleeping in and stuff yeah and then also you just actually touched on a really good point about how whenever we ask someone to define stress, they usually talk about the emotional stress. So, mm-hmm. oh, work's really stressful at the moment, or I'm having relationship problems, that's giving me a lot of stress, or I'm having money worries. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really stressed about that. And it's all what's going on in their head, whereas your body doesn't know the difference between mental stress and physical stress. So if you're also not getting enough sleep, that's another stress. If you're also hammering your body, exercising every day and not recovering, that's another stress. If you're not eating enough calories for the activity you're doing, or you're eating the wrong nutrients and you're neglecting a food group, that's another stress on your body. And all of those things produce the same hormonal changes, you know, the rise in cortisol, the rise in adrenaline as stress from worry. Yeah. All those things that, that contribute to stress on your body. Um, And that can have, you know, it it makes you feel rubbish at the time. You can't sleep and your appetite gets affected and you're consumed by your thoughts. But also there's things going on, um, you know, underneath your skin that you can't even see, like your blood pressure's higher. You can't feel that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if that happens continuously, like a chronic stress over the years, that's going to lead to things like heart attacks, strokes, increased risk of, of those things. So Yeah. And even like systemic inflammation, bringing it back to like the work that you do, it's just like, you know, I don't, I mean, you'll know so much more about this than I do, but like from my um, general understanding, like a lot of stress can increase inflammation, which can lead to increased risk in certain cancers, like built up over time. Yeah. it's, It's really hard to quantify that. So, you know, yes, the theory of inflammation does um increased cell turnover there's all loads of chemicals and cytokine storms and things which yes can contribute it's just really hard to you know with um when we're looking at risk factors 
risk factors for cancer how do you measure someone's stress totally totally it's so ambiguous and like a few years ago I had like a really really stressful period of my life where my cortisol levels were through the roof and I thought that I can like exercise through it like I thought like doing like HIIT workouts and boxing classes was like a stress reliever and then I developed alopecia areata so I had like a massive spot in the back of my head where my hair started falling out and then the doctor was like this is related to stress you know it's actually really interesting I did a talk earlier today actually with a trichologist so a scalp specialist um and talking about the alopecia hair is non-essential tissue so if you're stressed and you're not you know, you've got a lot of demands so on your body. Your hair is one of the last things that's going to benefit from the nutrients you are getting because it's going to be all diverted to the essential tissue. Um, and that, that can contribute to things like hair loss and, um, and shedding. And again, you know, it is interesting that you get physical symptoms when you have yeah. this period of prolonged stress. Um, you know, I don't want to be rude on the podcast. But you oh, know, no, we can swear. You can, be, you can be as rude as, as crude as you want. You know what? <laughs> people say oh I shit myself oh that was so scary I shit myself there is actually some truth to that so people (laughs) might have noticed that if they're nervous about an exam or a job interview or there's a lot of stress in their mind they notice the change in bowel habits Mm. oh definitely yeah and that that stress um you know we know with IBS a lot Mm -hmm. of bloating can be triggered by stress stress can have all these things that happen to your body and we're quite a vain society so we notice it when your hair starts to fall out we think oh my gosh I must be stressed I need to do something about it but my argument is you know things like the blood pressure thing and the increased risk of heart attack strokes type 2 diabetes you can't feel or see them I know that but we ignore that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's almost like ignorance is bliss I feel like a lot of the time and it is scary that people will just keep kind of burning themselves out or drilling themselves into the ground not taking a breath and you know, someone might say to them, look, you know, this way of living is maybe not so good for you, but because they can't see it on the inside, the effects that it's having, they're like, I'm going to keep going. And that's yeah. when it gets yeah. scary because I love what you, t- you said at the beginning about prevention, which is so key. And I'm so for that because it often, unfortunately does take a health scare for people to be like, shit. Yeah. And I think it's because, you know, when we talk about, I mean, I hear people say all the time, I'm going to be healthy next week or in the new year, I'm going to be healthy. And the problem with this is, you know, you said it, it gets so bad um, and they just keep going. I think Mm -hmm. it's because people think that they have to make this drastic change. They have to completely give up sugar or alcohol, or they have to suddenly start exercising five days a week, or they suddenly cut out all their favorite foods or they, you know, it seems really overwhelming. Whereas I'm really a big advocate for tiny changes in your day-to-day life. Yeah. Like setting your alarm 15 minutes later, if you can, or Mm -hmm. going to bed 15 minutes earlier, that's an extra half an hour sleep a day. That's going to make a difference, but that isn't hugely disruptive to your life. Yeah. Yeah, Joining a gym, finding, if you're someone who doesn't exercise, trying to find time to exercise can seem really daunting because you used to fill that time with other things, but there is little ways that you can incorporate activity into your life that are non-disruptive. Like, you know, the fact that now we all meet friends for a coffee and go for a walk. We can yeah. still do that we after can the end of the lockdown. Yeah, we don't definitely. need to be sedentary in a coffee shop. We can walk around a park when the weather's nice with the coffee. Mm-hmm. And in that time you've caught up with your friend and you've done your exercise. 
Yeah, yeah I, I totally that. agree. Something at work that we do um, is we, you know, for people who really do feel like they can't fit exercise into their daily routine. And like you said, it's, you don't have to drop everything and go do a 45 minute mm. workout. It's about finding like five, one minute times in your day to just get moving. And we, we have this thing called exercise snacking. So it's the concept of like snacking on exercise, like taking little bite-sized chunks throughout the day. And over the whole day, you might've done like three sets of, you know, five minute little things. And that's 15 minutes of exercise that you might not have thought you had time for. So like while the kettle's on, like we used to do, yeah, we used to do this in the office and it was like, you know, it was quite funny. You never knew what was going to happen when you walked into the kitchen, but like someone in the time that you're waiting for the kettle to boil. In between their coffee brew. Literally, (laughs) you just like see people like doing like some, you know, light squats or some like static lunges. And it's like just exercise snack, just moving my body in a time that I wouldn't normally, you know, be standing because I can't, I don't have time to commit to, you know, a full hour workout. And I feel like that's like almost like this like metaphor by just doing like little bit here, a little bit there, doing things that you can manage and it doesn't have to feel overwhelming and, you know, you're adding to your health. Yeah. Um, when I went, you know, when it was the first wave of the pandemic, I got redeployed to work in A&E and my shifts were just brutal. It was, oh, I remember. it was like 11 or 12 hour days and my shifts were usually 1 PM till 11 PM. Oh God. So I'd get home from work at maybe half past midnight. So in the morning you couldn't get up. So I did actually struggle to exercise in the morning before work, even though I was only starting at one. Um, so I basically started um, walking to work, which used to take me an hour, but it used to take half an hour on the train anyway. So it's a great form of exercise. I really think walking is so underrated. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So it was like, I actually, that wasn't really taking up any more of my day. I was just swapping something. Mm-hmm. Um, and little things like that, you know, people who cycle to work, that, that is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just instead of sitting at your desk and having your lunch, like you said, maybe you just get out for like 10 minutes walk it you know have a little walk and then you know it doesn't take you half an hour to an hour to eat your lunch really unless you're a super slow eater <laughs> yeah which we encourage mindful yeah, yeah, slow we eating, like mindful but like, eating but... <laughs> with you know but a balance between mindful eating and then doing something for yeah. yourself at the making same time. the most of your time <laughs> yes yeah and I guess you can bring that back to like maybe you want to like cook extra for dinner the night before and then you can eat leftovers for lunch and you know that way you don't have to cook so you can you know enjoy a mindful walk and then a mindful lunch exactly i mean i try and produce um educational things but i also feel like i show my life on on social media yeah and i feel like i really try and emphasize that that i'm not um i'm not necessarily like the epitome of health in so many ways yeah exactly but I always kind of will be like oh you know I really struggle to find time to cook in the evening so I've been cooking three meals at once or something and then I'll be like it's actually really boring eating the same thing for three nights but sometimes this is what you've got to do yeah. um and it I feel like it's also good to show that end of the spectrum that it is stressful for people. It is hard. And that's why I'm always like, just make small changes because the small changes, if you do them for 20 years are so much more impactful than being really active in your twenties and then giving it all up. Um, You have to be consistent. So choosing a behavior or a lifestyle that isn't sustainable is never going to get you the the long-term results. No. Yeah. And there's just just no real point in being healthy for like a few years when you're in your peak. Completely. Yeah. You know, we're all, um, well, 
less so you now, Sophie, but you know, we're, we're young people who have less responsibilities. So it's easy to think I'm going to come home and exercise and cook a nice meal and I'm prioritizing my health. A lot of people um, are different stages of life and may not be able to put themselves first. You know, soon mm. you'll be putting a baby first, Sophie. And um, it's those things. It becomes overwhelming for people when it suddenly seems this big task. Yeah. So you yeah. have to have those small, small, helpful, positive things in place. Yeah. Something that that reminded me of, and I just tried to pull up the statistic and I forget it, but James Clare wrote about in his book, Atomic Habit. It's like, um, if you make 1% change every year, every day, like the marginal gain at the end of the year is like massive. And you, you might not think, oh, I'm going to improve my life by X percent, but then actually it's only, you're only asking yourself 1% a day, which is so minimal, but it really does add up over time. And when you're able to like pause and reflect back and be like a year ago, I wasn't even doing this. And I didn't even feel like I made, like you said, Frankie, like you don't have to like start on Monday and join the gym and do the whole thing and, you know, cut out this and cut out that it's, it's those micro tweaks that can have- This is a completely vain one to say, but um, I was speaking to my hairdresser and I always curl my hair um, and I always use straighteners. And he said to me, why don't you just curl it once a week? Because I was curling it twice a week. And I was like, okay, I could do that. So now I curl it once a week and the other week I'll put it in a ponytail or something. And I've cut my heat damage down to my hair by 50%. But it just feels like each week I'm just straightening it, like curling it once less. But over the year, it's 50% reduction in heat damage. So true. So it's like Such a good example. Yeah. Yeah, So it's, it's, it's like basically you know six months of not straightening your hair that I gain each each week yeah this is yeah when you're adding up all those small positive changes it literally equates to such huge results yeah but you have to be you have to be willing to like not see them it's like I always say to people mm-hmm. you should be wearing SPF 50 on your face every single day yeah. you can't see what the benefits of the SPF are but they will it will over help. time yeah, yeah. It, you know, <laughs> you'll it, see it, less wrinkles hopefully over time <laughs> But it's hard because you don't know what you would have looked like without it. So yeah, like, yeah. you've got to trust the research. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, it's it's difficult. People like to be like they like a before and after. They like yeah. a and they like to see overnight changes as well. They we're impatient. <laughs> yeah, we are impatient. Um, and I think that's because we all have this um, attitude that we're doing something for a short term, so we want to see an mm. outcome yeah. rather than just like changing the way we live. Yeah. yeah. But why do we have to see the outcome? Yeah. I was, and that kind of leads me on to something else. Um, we were talking about this before, um, about how health looks mm-hmm. and how it looks different on everyone because someone can be, you know, when we talk about like metabolic parameters, like sugar levels and blood glucose control and blood pressure and, you know, joint strength and bone strength and muscle mass, you can't really see those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so Someone who looks like society's definition of health, like glowy skin, glossy hair, you know, a good figure, um, could be really health unhealthy on the inside. They might have, you know, poor poor bone health, like osteoporosis. They might have yeah. poor gut health. They might have mental health issues. They might smoke, and they might have poor dental health. And you can't see any of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you That's can't. Why it's at so all. important to go off of how you feel, which is what we try and emphasize a lot on this podcast. Is we're always so fixated on the physical side of things. Like let's actually just like tune in and tap into, 
you know, the inside and how we feel mentally, which is just huge when it comes to health. Mm. And we always say like, if we all do the things that make us feel happy and healthy, we're all still going to look different because we're not meant to look like each other. So just because you're doing this and you're living your healthiest life does not mean you're ever going to look like someone else. So it's, it's not just like having the attitude of like doing what makes you feel good, but it's also accepting that this is what your body looks like when you do things to Mm. nourish it and kind of that holistic sense. So, you know, the sleep exercise mindset stress, et cetera. Um, yeah. So it's like the actions that we do are going to be different. And then the act, the way we're going to look is going to be different as well. And just, you know, and if, I was to, if I was to think back about some of the times where maybe physically I've looked like I'm in my best shape, they're probably correlating to the periods of my life where I've actually been mentally at the worst. So, um, really stressed about exams or a breakup or something. And that is when I probably lose weight out of stress. But people tell me, oh, you look great. And I'm like, well, I might look great, but I feel like shit inside. Yeah, that's such a good example. So it's like, like, it's like you never know what is going on behind closed doors in someone's life. And that's why I feel like it's almost like, you know, that thing where, like you said, like if you're going, some people deal with stress different, some people eat, some people don't eat. And it's like, if you make a comment, then it's like, crap, I actually feel like shit and people yeah. say I look like what did I look when I felt great yeah. like it's like that weird you know those like that I it's just like I just feel like we should never be commenting on like the way people look because like you never know yeah, what that 100%. means to someone else it's, yeah. I really uh, yeah. feel like um I, I have seen this a bit on Instagram recently is ways to compliment someone that's not about their appearance yes I saw that love as well this. yeah I love that um you know people say like oh we never say yeah, sorry, Karen. You never say like, oh, that was your, you know, your viewpoint on this is really interesting. Yeah, or, or... you've got a, such a beautiful way of thinking. <laughs> yeah, the well, girls yeah, well... at work tried to do this as like a um, a challenge, like to compliment them on something that's like non-physical. And it was so funny because we'd be sitting in there and be like, you're very, you know, you're exuding a lot of confidence today. Like... Yeah, it, it's hard to be fair. It is hard because we're all used to just, you know, and it feels great when someone gives you a compliment about how you look physically, but I completely agree that it's so much more important in regards to what's going on in the inside. Yeah. I feel like we should make a pact on all of our Instagram and all of our pictures. Like I'm for now on for the three of us, I'm going to make non like aesthetic comments. Yeah. Like <laughs> and compliment. Or at least what try you're and saying. balance them out with um more like less aesthetic comments. Yeah. It's hard when it's an it is an aesthetic platform, isn't it? It all started. Yeah, because yeah, everything like yeah, everything and it's very visual. It's difficult, but it's good to it, as again, it doesn't have to be a complete um, renovation of the way we compliment people, but small little changes for every you know ten compliments you might do about um, appearance. Maybe we should be making a few of those less so. A hundred percent, amazing. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It has been that went such so a treat. So quickly as well. So quickly. I really um, enjoyed chatting to you both. Same. Thank you Thank so you. much for giving up your time to come and chat with us. Before we let you go, please tell everyone where they can find you so they can watch your incredible, you know, preventative health um, videos and all the amazing content that you put out on Instagram. Oh, thank you. Um, my platform is at Dr. Frankie JS. Um, I'm mainly on Instagram at the moment. It's uh, hard to juggle it all alongside the NHS, but you can find me at, at Dr. Frankie JS.
Awesome. We will put those in the show notes for everyone who doesn't follow Fanky at the moment, because you should definitely follow her. <laughs> and like we said, check out her amazing content um, and helpful videos. But thank you so much again. It was so lovely chatting with you. Great um, chatting with you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. And share with your friends if you love this episode. It really does help us get seen in the chart. You can now also order our Forking Wellness book anywhere books are sold. Order it on Amazon Prime for next day delivery. And Barnes & Noble in America. And if you love the book, we would so appreciate a review on Amazon. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and we really hope you enjoy it. We'll speak to you guys next week. Bye.